Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Hello, Otterites! I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis! Oh, that sounds so good. We're celebrating something this time, boys. Our sesquicentennial episode. Hey, I got it right. And I'm glad you said it, not me. Our 150th episode, folks. Yay! Awesome. It's, it's kind of fitting that it's a code of honor, too. Kind of fitting Absolutely. that it's a code of honor. That's Absolutely. Right. Our Fra- favorite. This is Francis sitting in the captain's chair. Uh, uh, thanks to Martin for engineering that wonderful fanfare. That uh, I hope it comes through on the recording. I think so. Yeah, I think, <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it will. Yeah, absolutely. 150 episodes, guys. I mean, just for a second. That's pretty before major. We, before we get into that, you know, into our meat of the business here, take a moment of reflection. We've yeah. done some pretty good work, haven't we? Yeah, I and mean, when you think uh, it's since about episode 12 or something, it's been every Freaking week. That's right. That's no right. breaks, no seasons. Actually, no. I think it's even earlier than that, but basically it's 140 straight weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Voltaire was our first uh, regular. Uh, two that was years. Back, that was back like eight or nine. Two years of continuous episodes without a break. Fresh content every week, folks. Yeah, and I defy any other podcaster to match us. That's right. Is that well, they're, they're out there. They're, they're, they're but... Most of the ones that have legs do interviews, although there's one guy that does one daily. Yeah. Now, yeah. that guy I, I'm impressed with, but he also has a lot of interviews. He also has a lot of sponsors, too. Yeah. So he can do daily. <laughs> right. You know, we work other jobs. Yeah. And, but yeah. a lot of podcasts are, you know, six, seasons. eight episode seasons about something uh, very focused. Yes. Uh, topical. Topical. Yeah. Niche podcast. And we do that from time to time. You know, we'll, we'll have our themes that we'll run through from time to time. Well, we do have our themes. I mean, we do <coughs> a different subject every week, and, and so we do. But, you know, and we'll do stretches like World War II and what have you. But still, it's every week. That's right. And it's it's definitely, we shift gears enough to give the listener whiplash, I feel like. And I love that. Sometimes in the same episode. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, it's we'll swing from the these deep history episodes into... Talking about Steve McQueen, and then from that into some kind of... Or who could you have into a history? Yeah. You never know where we're going there. It's crazy in the pop culture. And, you know, there are podcasts that just do pop culture stuff, and that's awesome. But it's like, let's have some context and let's fit the pop culture into other things. And I think we do that as well as possibly... Can be done. Well, we do for, live up to for three guys dis- with other jobs. That's right. <laughs> we do live up to our motto, which is a pointless discussion of eternal questions. That's and right. We, absolutely. You know, we, we're, we're trying to make everything mean something. We all got our swag on today. We do. We yeah, do. That's absolutely. Yes, so, that's right. Yep. Yeah, so we we appeared in public after an awesome breakfast. Yeah, we did. That's, that's right. Der Waffle House. That's right. It's a, seems to be uh, our our place to go in, mo- in not all the time. That but it's, it's not our two official. thirds. Two thirds, but it's not our official breakfast place, though. No, that is that Biscuit, Biscuit Belly. Biscuit that's Belly, right. we love you, Biscuit Belly. Which we Belly. will be back at next next month. That's right. Just a so, few weeks. Yes. 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 Can't wait. Yes. Although the breakfast at Waffle House this morning was excellent for me. It so, was. Yeah, it as, really as it is. usually it's, is. It's you know, it gets a lot of bad press for some reason. Is I don't know why. It's kind of a low end, but it's always a good breakfast. I'm never disappointed. Great quality, 
Great service. The folks there are wonderful. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just a place to come in and get you some good food. Fast. Yeah, it's fast. Fellow was he was working that flat top and That's got right. that stuff out to us. Oh, very delicious. I, you know, I was impressed. I think that was the most people that had behind the counter there. It, all the time we've been going to that particular uh, Waffle House. You know, it's hard to get staff for yeah, absolutely for restaurants. Every, yeah, yeah, very much. So. And they were well staffed this morning. I was very and pleased. They, they were great. So anyway, anyways, yes, 150 episodes, folks. Here we are. Just a little fanfare. Just a little, uh, and we'll. Uh, We'll salute us during the bourbon break a little bit. We got some great among stuff, others, yes. uh, among other things. Uh, but code of honor is about quotations. You know, this is one of our most popular episodes. Uh, we're going to talk some really deep thoughts that come from who knows where. See, now he said that. I feel like we're going to go straight to potty humor. No, yeah. no, potty yeah. humor is totally humor is always funny, folks. We know that. If, if, not if always. You, if you do it well. It can be gross, but it can, it's still funny most of the time. But we're not going there. We're going to go to something something cool. Something cool. And Martin has been dying, dying to start this one off, I know. Okay. Because he's got, he's got a... We're going to continue our theme of the great, late, great P.J. O'Rourke. I mean, it's his, it's his idol. Yes. Yeah, so, so this is our first code of honor since P.J.'s unfortunate passing. And again, last episode, we, we gave a quick tribute. Uh, the first time we had gathered uh, to record since his passing in, in February of 2022. Um, so obviously, that first time, I had to pull a PJ. And he's so awesomely and eminently quotable. There's there's stuff from his uh, appearances. Again, he, he would give speeches... Uh, Places like Cato Institute or Heritage Foundation, things like that. And, and then, of course, all those many times. Yes, and I've, I've done tons of his stuff already. All of the famous stuff about, uh, you know, giving money and power to government is like giving whiskey and car keys to teenage boys. I like the outhouse one myself. Yeah, personally. and the, that's yes. my, that's my, uh, my personal motto. It's one thing to burn down the shithouse. It is another thing entirely to install plumbing. So... Always be plumbers, people. But this one is, I think, something that's, uh, I think, probably originated with his book, um, Age and Guile Beat Youth, Innocence, and a Bad Haircut. Uh, So I think this is probably from some of his speaking tours after that was published. So the background, of course, is that originally PJ was a leftist. Yeah. uh, Considered himself a Maoist. Uh, he said he had one grandmother that was concerned he was becoming a Democrat, and he told her, Grandma, Democrats and Republicans are both fascist. I'm neither one. I'm a Maoist. And she said, well, as long as you're not becoming a Democrat, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course... Because we do have standards. <laughs> we did. Yeah. So you'd be a Maoist if you want. <coughs> just not a Democrat, uh, his grandmother told him. But, of course, he, he then moved politically... Uh, and as he began to see the world as something other than a college student of the Vietnam era. Um, and so the quote is, I like to think of my behavior in the 60s as a learning experience. Then again, I like to think of anything stupid I've done as a learning experience. It makes me feel less stupid. So this is something I think we've, we've hinted at a little bit before Yeah. in the idea of, do you learn from your own experience? Can you learn from other people's experiences? And that sort of thing. That, you know, what, yes. what teaches you? It's not an either you? or. Yes, exactly. What teaches you? What 
What? How do you get to who you are? Interesting. Uh, one of my thoughts on that is, is that an inevitable process? It almost sounds like, from the position that he, when he made that quotation, right, looking back at how stupid he was, is that inevitable that we learn from our stupidity? Oh, God, no. no, no, no. Not necessarily learn from our stupidity. We are stupid, and then we become less so. No, not necessarily. Okay. No. We, we discussed this somewhat at length, I think, with one of your quotes uh, from... Uh, was it Aristotle that you did about the... Uh, yeah, about uh, the stupid don't learn. Yeah, yeah the, so... The stupid don't learn. Yeah, all. I think this ties right into that idea. He's personalizing it, of course, and that's what he does. He's a gonzo journalist. That's the point of gonzo journalism is you're inserting yourself into the story. Uh, I like to explain it as you don't, you don't say we watched people snort cocaine at the bar in Beirut in 82. You say... I snorted coke off the bar in Beirut in 1982. That's the difference between journalism and gonzo journalism. So he's internalizing and personalizing the <coughs> idea of yeah, which is what he does uh, of being stupid. But I, I think it ties to a lot of what we talked about with uh, you know, thought and action and learning experiences. And can you learn from observation? Do you have to experience things to learn? What what is you know what's real there? Interesting thing about your quote from PJ is this: is he doesn't say that he's actually learned anything. That's true. You know, he says he likes to think of them as learning experiences. <coughs> it just makes him feel less stupid, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean that he's learned anything, which is really a very PJ way of looking yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah, because it's <laughs> almost like he's he's creating a euphemism about something that didn't happen. Well, but that, I think it's but also a way of pointing out, you know. The whole thing about the gonzo journalism is that making your experience part of it is to make it relatable to others. So I was, oh yeah, yeah, yeah me too, I did that. You know, it may not have been Babe Ruth, it may have been in you know, Poughkeepsie when I was snorting coke off the bar right before they handcuffed me, but you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but, you know, I think, because it's kind of like what you did, you know, you took it as in, well, yeah, it's a learning experience, so you, learning experience is something you learn from. Well, not necessarily. It's like, it's like a teachable moment. Yeah. The moment may be teachable, but that doesn't mean the student learns. Yeah. And again, that, that feeling less stupid, PJ is a great observer of human limitations. Mm-hmm. He's, a, mm-hmm. he's quite the realist about people. He's seen people do horrible things to each other for really no reason up close. Right. Very, very up close. And, you know, he's like... People are just horrible. They're stupid. Yes. And I want to feel less stupid. Yeah. In some ways, you could take it as a, you know, I'm telling myself this so that I'll feel better. Yeah. Which in many ways is a very, uh, is a very modernist way of, of doing things. I'm going to say very millennial way of doing too. But, uh, you know, not that I don't like millennials. And, you know, my daughters are millennials. Uh, I just think they're much better than most millennials. Uh, but, you know, it, it very much is that it, it speaks to human nature and that we like to make ourselves feel better uh, about the stupid things we've done. Because sure. nobody like you know, although some people do like to dwell on their own past mistakes because they either like the attention it gets them from, you know, oh, woe is me. Or, victim mentality. Yeah. Uh, or, well, sometimes it's not so much the victim mentality because sometimes it's just it's a narcissistic mentality. Yeah. Well, yeah, ultimately. Because it's, it's the attention you get. Right. Uh, some, and they're a little tied together. Right. But one is, you know, Look at me, look at me. That's the ultimate goal for yes. that. Yes. Um, 
you know, I'm like you though. I like to think of it as that way. You know, I've learned how to better myself. Uh, but it's just to me, I just find it fascinating. He doesn't actually say what, that he's actually learned anything. <laughs> yeah, you know, which is very again very PJ. And again, if you're not familiar with the work, he went to horrible, horrible, horrible places where people were doing horrible things to each other for many years. Yes, and you know, if you were he capable for Rolling Stone, you were. He was the foreign correspondent or foreign desk chief or whatever title they made up for him for Rolling Stone for a long time. Uh, and freelance some too. But he, he wrote for... He would often go somewhere and write multiple articles for different publications out of those uh, experiences right. uh, for different, uh, different things. Um, I couldn't help but think about uh, there was recently, uh, just a day or so ago, a photographer, a well, very well-liked photographer, killed in Ukraine. Yes, yes I saw that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I forget the gentleman's name, Pierre, uh, and the, just people just poured in with, this was the greatest guy to work with. Worked with him in a, a, you know, trouble spots all over the world, and he was always caring and professional. And I just can't help but think, you know, if PJ were with us. He well, Ukraine's probably a little bit more of a hotter war than he was ever in. Yeah, but it would be a place he'd be wanting to to do. If he were twenty years younger, he'd be there. He'd be there. Yeah, yeah. probably a little more than Max. Twenty years younger, he would be our age. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So uh, I sure as heck don't want to go there to cover no, anything. No, no, <laughs> me either. So uh, it, <clears throat> an honest journalist covering the kind of thing that's going on in Ukraine. Uh, that's something that should be saluted. Oh, absolutely. Very absolutely. So. That's, that's how you get... Well, you know, it's very brave, too, because as we've seen, you know, there's crackdown going on at home. It, it, when you're on the battlefield, you find somebody reporting on the, the atrocities you're doing. Yeah, you're likely to not get out, which, obviously... Yeah. There's been several gener- journalists injured, and, and again, this photographer, long-time uh, news photographer, killed. So, that just, that makes me think of PJ. And makes me think of the the things that he's he done he had done, um, and you what know, a life! What a life! You know? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, of course. Yeah, we we all do stupid things when we're young. That's kind of the whole point of being young, in some ways, <laughs> is to get the stupid stuff out of our system before we take on real responsibilities. Yes, because uh, you know, uh, speaking as a as a husband, the wives don't like it when we do the stupid stuff. They much prefer we have all that stuff done by the time they get a hold of us. Sometimes that's why they like us, is the stupid stuff we do. That's true. And then they want us to stop. And then they want us to stop. That's yes. right. Uh, you know, They're better at that kind of thing than we are. Yeah, well, they, women are the great civilizing force of... I'm glad you said it because I was about to. Yeah, I mean, it's very true. You know, they, they really are. Uh, but, you know, being able to, to even acknowledge that you've done stupid stuff and that you should learn from them uh, is a very high-order moment that honestly, I don't think most people hit. So, yeah, you know, kudos to him for even, you know, acknowledging it in his backhanded way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, not everybody acknowledges that they've done stupid stuff, much less that they should learn from them. Uh, and yeah. so... It makes you know, me feel less stupid. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> That's a, such a great way to put that. Makes me feel less stupid. <laughs> As opposed to, yeah, and I learned I should never do... No, not I shouldn't do those. I just feel less stupid for acknowledging it. <laughs> There's only so far my introspection will go. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, you don't want to analyze that life too hard. 
you know. Right, right. <laughs> like looking into the abyss, you might not uh, like what you find in the That's abyss. Right. The abyss stares back. back. Yeah. <laughs> we even brought Nietzsche into this one. It's like terrific. Fantastic. <laughs> Francis, I think that uh, lets us take off with uh, where you want to go. Well, wonderful. I'm so glad for that. Uh, I knew you'd do PJ, of course, uh, as a beginning. And, uh, of course, he deserves... Uh, I don't know that any of the... If we've ever done it, we've always left that to you. But, yeah, uh, I don't think we've ever done a PJ theme. Uh, yeah, we should. We, no. we should make a, co- a PJ code of honor. We theme. can do that, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's the beauty of the... Of this, not exceptionally heavily produ- overproduced. You know, we can we well, can, you know, we can play that for next time. Yeah, next next code of honor could be a PJ theme. I could yeah. alter the schedule for that. But you're right; it's we don't uh, listeners again. This is not super produced or super prepped. Uh, we haven't even uh, because of his uh, sojourn in the Tijuana jail uh, and his uh, his week <coughs> out. We we haven't even spoken to Francis hardly much. I know uh, at all here. Well, uh, this is true. I've been kind of I've spent uh, some time with Robert here because we got to go to the ball game and everything, and go knights and swords up. But Francis has been still a touch, cracks me up that they get away with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's been a touch in, uh, uh, incommunicado on us. So this is true. Yes. Yeah, well, you know, being so knocked out with pneumonia uh, does do that. Yeah, uh, that's yes. for sure. Pneumonia. That's what he's calling it. It's <laughs> uh, well, you'll hear a cough. Occasionally, uh, throughout the, this he episode, he had a wee bout, but Doctor McCoy pulled him pulled through. through. That's right. Yes. A wee bout of what? Surely, surely, Admiral. But anyway, so uh, yes, your quote, my quote. So, totally new subject, totally new uh, okay. person here. Somebody I admire, and uh, uh, again for his craft. You know, we all admire guys for his craft. Matthew McConaughey. Great actor, mm-hmm. uh, Texan, lifelong Texan. He's a uh, and he doesn't shy away from that, which I think is totally fascinating. So that's super, super cool. Yeah. It really is. It's part just, of his persona. He, part of his persona. A great, wonderful actor. Uh, I can't say I've seen all of his movies, but I've seen you know most of us have seen most. He's a guy with some range. I mean, absolutely. You, at first, is. you don't think of him as having range, but he's he's done well, some yeah, range. Uh, very much so. He's done some uh, fantastic stuff. Well deserved. Uh, uh, kudos to the man. Uh, and we'll talk about him a little bit more at the bourbon break because uh, he, he figures into that, which we'll do after I do my quotation. Uh, but he's, uh, he's re- recently written an autobiography, uh, which has actually been a bestseller. Uh, uh, Mrs. Francis listened to quite a, quite a bit of the audio book of it, and, and I, I had a chance to get into it. Got to know the man a little bit better. Uh, through, through his good, his, pers- his persona stems, through, you know, it bleeds through very, very quickly, which I really, really like. Uh, and it, it's something that's uh, just, he's, he's an interesting guy. And if you if you listen to him very much, he's also a wise guy. Uh, not even as a wise guy, wise-cracking guy, but he's got a lot of depth to the guy. So um, my quotation, he's got some long ones. I'm going to go short today uh, to make sure that we can get this out here. And it's, I, I did not know, didn't tie in with your quote, but I think it fits it very, very well here. Life's barely long enough to get good at one thing. So be careful what you get good at. Mm, that's good. Yeah. I, I like that. McConaughey, he's got it. I'm telling you, this guy knows his stuff. Life is barely long enough to get good at one thing. So be careful what you get good at. Guys, what do you think? You know, I approve this message. Next. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> On you know, but it, it's, it's interesting in that so many of the people we have Lauded uh, in either heroes or in these, we we often consider to be polymaths. Oh, who get who do get good at 
multiple things again. We're yeah. just coming out of the Chesterton episodes. Well, we're polymaths. I mean, realistically, yeah. we are all polymaths. We may not be genius level at a lot of things, but I, I would call us polymaths. We are, we are, we are competent at many things, yeah. and probably genius level at one or two. I don't think so. Yeah, that's right. And our interests are widely varied. Yes, um, but I just that's a an interesting contrast to again somebody like Chesterton or, or these other folks that we've done. Um, but it does fit with somebody like a Steve McQueen or, or something like that. Well, there's truth to that because the polymath is kind of the exception. True. And you know, and McConaughey's really zeroing in on the on the average guy. You and it's also a very uplifting quotation. You have the ability to be very, very good at yes. one thing yes. in your life. And that's something and that's presuming no matter where you start. No matter what it is, you've got enough time in, a, in an average lifetime to be very, very, you know, it says it takes 10,000 hours of practice to be competent at a particular discipline or whatever it is. Yeah, that's, that's uh, from Malcolm Gladwell. Right, uh, yeah, tipping point. exactly. And it, it fits very well with this is most people, they only want to do one thing. Don't half-ass a lot of things. Whole, whole ass, ass one thing. thing. Well, that's it's exactly right. Well, you know, I would disagree that most people want to do one thing. Yeah, I think that's the real point of his quote, too, is that I think so many people let life just sort of wash over them right. without really making an attempt at being... At doing anything. At doing it, right. being really good at something. And not that people... I mean, people go to their jobs and they stay at them, and they're not necessarily really good at them, and they live a life. But he's talking about, look, you can be extraordinary if you want to. Yeah. Life is long enough to be extraordinary at something. Something, that's right. Um, you know, not necessarily a lot of things. It takes somebody really special to do that, but well, even you can, you can be outstanding. Apply yourself. Be great. At, at, irrespective of your level of talent. And that's kind of what he's saying here is it, it, if, if you've got time to do it, practice will make perfect. I disagree with or that. Or at least, at least make you better. Well, in, in, make, mi- in many things, in many because things, because there's some things that you have. To some things you have to have a, a modicum an aptitude for. I mean, right. I could spend ten thousand hours trying to play basketball. I'm not going to be good at it. Well, that's great. Right. He didn't say <laughs> he didn't say good at anything. Yeah. He says good at. Right. But that was the implication what you were just saying. Well, that's I'm, I'm kind of wanting to tease that out, saying that talent does matter in some things, but, but in a whole lot of things. It I, I think, well, ta- I think it always can, matters. Talent can be acquired in many things. Not everything. Well, Sometimes a certain level of ability to... can. Yeah. But, but, you know, for what he's talking about, if you're not to choose one thing to master, to be really yeah. good, re- repeat the quote if you would. What was the... the, the uh, life is long enough to be to be to to become really good at something. All right, he says really good. Yeah. All right, so to me, that mind is to master something. To I would be say that's, at that's, the top, to be that top 1%. Yeah. Uh, or even do you want to say top ten percent, whatever? Yeah, five uh, percent. Pick your number. Uh, I think that you can choose one thing to be really good at, mm-hmm. and there's two ways to look at that. Yeah, one is how well do you truly, <coughs> how objectively good at it are you? Is it objectively uh, uh, true and beautiful, well done, those sorts of things? Yeah. But there's also a subjective point to that. Yeah. And I think somewhat, Francis, I think you're somewhat conflating those. Because when I think of that, I think that top 1%, we're, you know, masters of the craft, which is what yeah. we're all about. Uh, 
But there's also the relative to yourself. Okay? So if I get really good at one thing, to me, that may be, I may still be, you know, in the, the you know, bottom 20% compared to all the other practitioners. Right. But if I do it better than I, you know, if I do it as best as I possibly can for myself, then, you know, measuring against somebody else doesn't really matter. So you're going back to uh, which the Hemingway quote that we had, you're, you're only really competing against your, your previous self. Well, yeah, yeah, you could look at it in that way. Because, like I said, I think there's two ways to take that quote. Yeah. One is the external form, mm-hmm. which is where, again, we're competing to be the best there is. Mm-hmm. Objectively good. Ob- yes, obje- which, you know, you can make the art, well, you know, especially when it comes to art, because usually that's the kind of thing you think of, you know, yeah. acting, writing, uh, singing, mu- music, those sorts of things. Because mm-hmm. nobody really thinks about that in terms of, you know, how good you cr- uh, crunch numbers in a spreadsheet. <laughs> Um, Although, the, the, but yeah, there is, it's right. There but is, that is a talent unto itself. Yeah, but that's, that's right. usually not what we think about. <coughs> so, yeah, you know, there's that. But, yeah, it, you know, how well I do it compared to how well I could have done if I'd just been, uh, as Zig Ziglar puts it, you know, be a meaningful specific, not a wandering generality. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that ties in very well with that. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. Right. yeah. And, and, Something. And That's what's good. so meaningful about that quote, and it's something we, we we come to with a lot of these things, is it's very uplifting in the end. You have value. Mm-hmm. You just have to seek it out. That's right. And, and everybody can be possible. good at something. Yes, you can be good at something. That's right. You're not, I always said, you know, your destiny is your own. That's another way of saying that. Yeah. You're not necessarily a prisoner of circumstance. You may feel that way, but it is possible to escape. And it Correct. is no matter where you start. No matter where you start, you can be good. You just have to understand that you have that value. Right. And yeah. it does and it does require effort. There's no question as to yes. Oh, absolutely. And and it, that's kind of in, in baked into his quotation. Yes. Is that you got time to do it. But you got to do it. It's up to you. It's up yeah. to you. And yeah. the thing, I, the, the way you put that, I, I want to tag onto that a little bit there, uh, Martin, um, because far too often, um, you because know, the way I was talking about, it, you have value. Uh, when we talk about how good somebody is at something, we look at something in a very utilitarian way. Yes. That is yes. very dangerous. Correct. Uh, it is so very dehumanizing. And as you know, we are all Mechanistic. about not dehumanizing. Yes. Yes, you Recognizing, are more than just the value you bring in a utility sense. Exactly, you are a valued human person. Exactly, recognizing that, <clears throat> understand that about yourself, then gives you the impetus to achieve. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah, your value is not tied to your productivity. Right, and that's why I like the the internal form of of Francis's quote. You know, how much better am I at it? than I would be if I had not attempted to master it. Right. Uh, because usually the attempt is what makes you better. Mm-hmm. Not how well the attempt works out. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, you, you know, again, when you start comparing to others, most of the time, the things we attempt to master, most of us are not going to be in that top 10% of that compared to others. Right. Because, you know, there's just not that much room at the top. That's right. And a lot of the things that we try and to master. There are many things. Which leads me to the excuse <coughs> me to the piece that I wanted to go to the last part of that quotation. We haven't spent any time on it, so 
choose wisely. He didn't, that's not exactly what he words. He, uh, but choose well. Cho- yeah, said. exactly. Choose something good. Choose something good. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Which yeah. is that's yeah because yeah, there's two aspects to that. There's choose something that's meaningful to yourself, but it's also choose something worthwhile in the world. Well, that's what he's saying here because. Just because you're the greatest drug dealer that there is, doesn't mean that that is a worthwhile pursuit. Right. Yeah, the best right. serial killer is not necessarily the best thing to be. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Dexter isn't something to aspire to. No. Well, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> all, right, no all right, idea. all right, all you, right. You, you, did you... you oh, yeah. I got okay, you. okay. Because for a second, I, was, I thought no, you were I know, just to... No, no, I know who he is. Yeah, it's all right. I've not watched it. Yeah, I haven't watched it, but I mean... Oh, I love Dexter. Through osmosis. I understand it's very well done. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes, I do have problems with making the protagonist a serial killer, but but he's an antihero. But he's an antihero. That's right. They're they're doing it well, and there's lessons to be learned and all that stuff. He's well, and that's the thing. It is about the with with Dexter. It's about the journey. So in a way, you can make the case. It's not about him being the best serial killer. It's about that journey he's on to actually be a better human being. He's on his way road to because redemption. he is one of those people that is is he is a true sociopath. Yeah, in that. He doesn't have regular human emotions, right? He cannot relate to others. And his foster father in the show gave him this code to live by. Mm -hmm. So he actually attempts to live by a moral code, whacked out as it is, because he only kills killers. Right. Yeah. Uh, Or people who have done really, really awful things. Um, No no different than... The Punisher or Mac Bolin or any of this. Right. That's the same. Exactly. That's the same. And in that attempt to follow that code, he learns emotions. And he learns how to make connections with others. So, in a way, <coughs> you know, the show, again, is not about being the best serial killer. It's about being the best human being. Yeah. yeah. It's his road to redemption. Hopefully. Being, being, yeah. being fully human. Yeah. yeah. yeah and for right. him, that actually has a much deeper meaning it's because than for many of us. He is disabled in certain ways. Right. He is very less human than than most. Yeah, which, which, of course, starts. is what makes the, the show such a fascinating study. Yeah. Because you can recognize those things with it. That's why... But you have to have the proper moral perspective to work on that. Which is, I think, is what McConaughey is talking about here. Is uh, It's not... Don't just do anything. And... Do something that you can do that has virtue. It's kind of the word I'm trying yes, to circle that's here. A very, yeah, it has, has to be a virtuous, virtuous pursuit. And is meaningful to yourself. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, when we say virtue, it doesn't mean it has to be, you know, something really high level. It's not, not at all. Mother Teresa. It doesn't have right. to be that. No. Right. But it doesn't... You, you shouldn't. I, I hate to say can't because I don't like to, to, to limit... Uh, through my own misunderstanding, what somebody else may choose to try and be good at, but you should pick things that are not uh, solely self-serving. Uh, ideally, that's now, a good barometer. It's a very good barometer. Uh, ideally, you. you know what you choose will serve others in some way as well as yourself. It shouldn't be totally uh, selfless either. Yeah. Well, even a mergers and acquisition lawyer serves a purpose. A very low purpose. But uh, yes, it's it's not, not <laughs> but like PJ would uh, has said. Even the worst leech of a mergers and acquisition lawyer probably pays more than hundred grand in taxes, which is a right. hundred grand's worth of U.S. Marines that can fix some shit. Right. You know, puts his kids through school uh, yeah. and has three wives. You know, and you know, yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, he's putting food yeah. on at least three tables, probably. That's right. Uh, you know, the mistress and uh, he, he pays his rent on his pita tear and that's right. Know. 
Supporting uh, somebody in the lifestyle to which they'd like to become accustomed. Yeah. That's right. So that feels like a good place to, all right, all right, all right, and stop uh, That's right. For, for the bourbon break. For the bourbon break. Yeah, because, uh, and this is one of the reasons I chose Matthew McConaughey, or it could have been the other way around, is we're drinking new bourbon this time, boys. We're drinking Matthew's favorite. We are drinking the Wild Turkey bourbon whiskey uh, made here in Kentucky. Lawrenceburg. That's redundant. <coughs> well, yes, but it's it's also a very old brand. We were talking about this in the show prep. As I do, do we need to refresh in the glass, gentlemen? I, uh, I, Martin, I can I'm use good. Just a, pl- a you, splash. You need please. a little bit, uh, sir. Sir, you just need a little bit. Eight thirty. There you go. That sounds really good. I've been I've been uh, a sipping on a little of this beautiful, beautiful wild turkey. First time we've ever done it. I don't know why it took us so long to get to it. I guess it's just because being such an established brand, we were kind of skirting around it, looking at new stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is the creative director of Wild Turkey. He basically, uh, he's very Texan, as you know, uh, but he's a bourbon lover and has been for a long time. He went to them and basically said, this is my bourbon. I love it. Let's do something together. And, of course, they were super thrilled to have an actor of his stature be a spokesperson. Very so. much so, yes. And he's, uh, of all their of all their brands uh, that they have, Wild Turkey, this is, this is the original. Uh, there's several others that we will eventually get to, but... Uh, it was kind of with McConaughey in mind that I said, you know, if he, who is a well-known bourbon aficionado, uh, if that was his bourbon, we should have that on the show. So when I uh, replenished my stock here, I decided this has to be the one we're doing it. So that's what we're all... Uh, I, almost, I almost picked up a bottle the other night myself. Wild Turkey 101. It's good, good, good stuff. And that's, that's very good stuff. Absolutely. And that's and that's that's different from what we're having here. This is the, the standard. This is not the 101. This oh. is... A, this is a regular bourbon whiskey, okay. as it says here on the bottle, uh, because the the brand itself has se- has several different uh, iterations of it. Uh, yeah, well, as most do now. As most do, exactly. And we'll get to the one on one. You should go ahead and buy it, so we can try it uh, when you want to. And there's and there's just several others that are out there uh, yeah. that they do. But if they are as anywhere as good as this gentleman, yeah, this is really good. Uh, you know, when I first. Uh, Took a whiff because you know I like to, to get a good sense of the uh, the the smell, the odor, and the the way it affects my the nose. Got to get nose. the nose. It's the bouquet. And uh, yes, the bouquet. That's the word I was looking oh, for. Thanks. So. And uh, then took that first sip to swish it around in my mouth to get a good sense of the flavor. Uh, immediately got that sweetness, which uh, Martin quickly identified as pear, which they they list on yeah, the yeah, uh, this is, bottle. Uh, yeah. I didn't quickly associate it with pear, but I got the sweetness. Yeah. And there's also that very strong hint of vanilla. And it really mixes well. It was too, the the flavors mix very well. Oh, gosh, and it's, so it's very smooth. smooth. Yes, uh, so smooth. nothing better than a smooth bourbon. I mean, I like a, a bit of a the I hate to call it harsh because it makes it sound like it's a bad bourbon, but I like some of that uh, bite uh, bite to it uh, on occasion. Like the Devil's Cut, yeah, uh, is a really good one for that. Uh, but you know, give me a smooth bourbon any day. Yeah, this, and this, this is really here. smooth. I mean, this yeah. is Four Roses smooth. This is Woodford smooth. This is uh, Basil Hayden smooth. It is. And, it is know, very much so, yeah. And it, it shows the value of proper aging. Yes. This is, I think they say, at least five years. Yes. And uh, I really do, this, I was like stunned to actually get, they list some flavors on the bottles, what you should be getting. And I got them. I was like, yeah. oh, this is so cool. Well, Martin is our master taster here. He's, but he's you know, seen, Robert's catching up because he, is, he, is. he has eschewed the soft drinks. Yes, I have. So the 
corn syrup and the super sweet stuff is is moving off of Robert's palate. It's been uh, slightly more, uh, just a hair over six months to the day yeah. since I had my last soft drink. Now, I still have uh, an artificial sweetener in my coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will occasionally have um, uh, like a, a crystal-like kind of uh, uh, peach tea or some kind of yeah. drink like that. Yeah. And then there's the uh, sparkling ice drinks. So it's mm-hmm. like a lemonade with some carbonation. Because I like that carbonation. The carbonation is what I have generally missed when I've tried to give up soft drinks in the past. But now, I mean, I haven't had one of those in several days. So I don't even think about that so much anymore. Uh, so I don't know that... Because I still have plenty of sweet stuff, so I don't know that I'm yeah have it, it, gotten quite to the level that you had attained, but you it know takes, it, it's taking longer than I you know you think oh well you got that sugar out of your diet it's but it does take a while for your palate to yeah to and, kind of know, recover and and to get where you're picking this stuff out and I felt like maybe I lost a little bit of it and it wasn't it's like yeah everything's kind of tasting the same this one really the flavors came through oh absolutely. Uh, this is really, really good stuff. And again, a, not a all-of-a-sudden newcomer, small batch. Nothing wrong with that. It's its, it's its own thing. Right. I mean, it, this is an old standard brand. Oh, wow. And it stays with the mouth because yeah. I've had several sips here, and I'm having my need, as I usually do, and I'm still feeling it. I'm still tasting it. It's there. And it, it's it's the mouth that is, yes, that is very much here. On the mouth, it's the not the esophagus, uh, and it's not the nasal passages. It's very much localized in the mouth. I kind of prefer that. It's good. I think that's, you know... I, don't know, I, I, like, I like the ones that... Uh, not as big in the ones that are really in the sinuses, uh, although I don't mind those, uh, but I do like ones where I, can, where I can feel it going down the esophagus and in the throat. And, and, and it warms all the way through yeah. your diaphragm. I you do don't like get that. that nearly so much with this, but that's okay because what you get in the mouth is really, really good. Yes, it is, and it stays and, around. Yeah, I say, it does linger yeah. on the tongue. And, and it stays, uh, the quality doesn't drop while it's there. Right. You can still taste it after you've drank it, uh, and it, it stays with you. And I'm sure, yeah, yeah go ahead, uh, because I'm assuming that you're, uh, you are, you were drinking yours with I had it, mine with ice, so with it's ice. melted by now. So it okay. So yours is a little bit less potent. Yeah. Well, now the first sips I had were just chilled because the ice hadn't melted yet. Right. Okay. Uh, and yeah. I still got all of those flavors. Sure. Yeah, I would think it's, so. It's mellow right from the jump and just yes. keeps staying really nice it, and mellow. And I yeah, and I like the, the fact that honestly, you know, I I think I get more of the the bouquet mm-hmm. uh, out of the. Uh, the wild turkey on the ice than I do, do straight, straight up. up. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to take just a sip of this because I want to taste the difference. Sure, absolutely. Because as we know, that's something we've got to try now. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's uh, You have to have tried both ways and see how you like that. Oh, no, much preferred. You prefer it with ice? Much preferred, yes. Really? Well, ice, ice, <laughs> ice and that little splash of water that <laughs> melts really brings that out. Interesting. And again, when you, when you first get it, again, that... that they're absolutely, well, no, thank you. I'll, I'll take absolutely now, if you want, right. you know, maybe add a little bit to, to bring the, the strength back up because it's going to be a little watered down here. Well, that's okay because that's, right. my, mine was straight, so I'll, I'll, t- I'll take a drink of yours here. It is weaker, of course. Uh, it doesn't stay around as long, but it is affected by that. It, it, it doesn't tingle as much. But it does, it's even smoother. You're right. Yes. It is yeah. even smoother. You can chalk that bad boy back. Not that you would. Not that you should. It's too <laughs> nice. It's too good. 
But you that's that moves yes. slowly. And honestly, I, it's not quite, I wouldn't call it a medicinal taste, but it's, it's a little heavier, to that side. It's heavier of, alcohol when it's when it's neat like yeah. this. Yeah, it's, and that's uh, well, like I said, I didn't even get that, uh, that kind of uh, taste or flavor just by having ice. Really, chilling the bourbon makes a huge difference. Then you add that splash of water from the melting bourbon, or the melting ice. Yeah. And it really, to me, it just makes everything... It just explodes it all. That's right, because even though there's no such thing as a bad bourbon, the one thing that will send Martins up the flagpole is if it's got a medicinal Yeah, it tastes like scope or something, that, or that antiseptic right. to it. I right, and we've only had that those. maybe once or twice. Yeah. Uh, but this certainly is not that. No, no. this is this is top shelf to me. I mean, I, well, I it should be. Well, I mean, this. McConaughey, you think he's going to get it right. I well, he probably so. drinks the higher-end version of this. Well, there, there's a version of it that he had them create for him, which I did not get because it was about twice the price. It's coming, exactly. though. Exactly. It's coming, though. So, uh, But I wanted us to kind of do this. Yeah. This is the standard baseline. Because right. it's, well, it's like the Four it's Roses. Cool. You know, we had that basic, and then we tried right. a small batch. That's and, right. You know, mm-hmm. Even the basic was great, and that's the same thing with this. This, you said, was about a $20 bottle of That's right. Of bourbon. 22 I think it was. That's an amazing price point. That. You can't beat it. And, and again, what's on the label? Exactly right. Pears and vanilla, and it's amazing. Yes. This, and yes, none, is, none of it's a, overbearing. This is a new go-to right here. Well, I, I'm, is, I'm thinking so. This this, is, this should be... Thank you, Mr. McConaughey. This is the shit, uh, yo. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wonderful? All right, all right, all right. That's all right. Let's keep going. That's, that's right. Well, yeah, that's, good that's, stuff. It really is. Good. I'm glad you guys like this. I, I, I bought it with his recommendation, but with you guys, of course, in mind. Yeah. Oh, to, no, to make sure that we got this right. And uh, It's it's a 60-yard touchdown bomb. It's that's awesome. That's we like it. Thank you. Thank it's, you to the great it's, folks it's at Wild Turkey. It's a C.J. Fleming 3. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Fantastic. Okay. That's, uh, it's time to... Shift gears and send it to the hammer. All right, so I've got my coat pick. I had several I, I could have picked from, uh, but this one I think does the best job of incorporating the elements of both of your quotes. So, as I like to do, if you guys would repeat your right. quotes real PJ quick. PJ O'Rourke. I like to think of my behavior in the 60s as a learning experience. Then again, I like to think of anything stupid I've done as a learning experience. It makes me feel less stupid. <laughs> Do <you like> that? <laughs> and my quote was life's barely long enough to get good at one thing so be careful what you get good at right so I, the thing I like about both of your quotes is that they're both uh, long term vision uh, which is great now one I think is looking forward yeah whereas uh Martin's yours is kind of retrospective. Yeah. Yes. Right, yeah. That's, you know, that's examining true. examining your life. Examining your life, you know, uh, which both things are incredibly important. You cannot live a full life, I think, without doing both. Right. So, Especially as you go along. I mean, yeah, well, yes. It's yes. almost impossible to not do both. Although, oh, I think a lot of people managed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that was a hand grenade, boys. I wanted to just yeah, do, cause, I mean, wanted to play with that one for a second. You know, yeah. Anytime you come up with something positive about uh, what people ought to do or do, and anytime you say, well, you almost have to that, it's almost always that's a false statement because yeah, <laughs> there are so many people it's, yeah. it's definitely oxymoronic, but I, I like Well, this. it's one of those things that it should be true. Well, that's right. That's why I like it. That's why I have to throw it out there. It should be true. It should be true that, that these things go hand in hand and that people do both. Because... You know, there's always you've always got something in the past to examine. You've uh-huh. always got something in the future to look forward to. That's right. 
Uh, and you know, you can't move forward, in my mind, you can't move forward properly if you're not examining where you've been. Uh, so yeah, it's ideally, Success comes as the fruit of both of those, but that's not always the case. Some people just luck into it. Some people just manage to stumble their way into it. Some and, some are born into privilege that allows them to do things. And some are born into it. And yeah. some, you know, manage to just get incredibly lucky and don't have to do that. But again, all very much exceptions to the rule as well. For most men and women, you got to do both. So, uh, my quote is from Thomas Watson, uh, one of the co-founders of IBM. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's Thomas J. Watson. Okay. Yes. He deserves Secret it. cousin to Elmer J. Fudd. That's right. Millionaire. Who owns a mansion and a yacht. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, <clears throat> would you like me to give you the formula for success? It's quite simple, really. Double your rate of failure. You were thinking of failure as the enemy of success, but it isn't at all. You can be discouraged by failure, or you can learn from it. So go ahead and make mistakes. Make all you can. Because remember, that's where you will find success. Oh. So, I, one of the things I like about this is, you know, there's a, a theme that's come up in, in um, uh, motivational material, personal development stuff, about failure. Uh, I think it started with John Maxwell's book, Failing Forward, which is very much the same kind of thing. Yeah. If you don't learn from your failures... Uh, it's kind of hard to improve because yeah. it's very Edison. It's yes, uh, there was a, there was an Edison quote that was very yeah, similar. I, I, I didn't fail. I just figured out ten thousand ways it didn't work. Exactly, exactly. Right. So you know, this very much is that looking at what you've done and hopefully trying to learn from it. Maybe not. Maybe just feel better about yourself. Just, yeah, 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 just feel but, less. But, you know, maybe that's maybe that's your primary goal. Is feel less stupid about yourself, and that's okay. I will not denigrate anybody's the preferences in that way. But it's also very much the looking forward. Mm -hmm. Choose well right. what you're going to do because, you know, this is about uh, success. Well, yeah, yeah. It's not and, you know, really, it kind of all is. It's about not just personal performance, but as we like to talk about, it's about being a better human being is, is the way we take a lot of these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And whether you're talking about uh, personal development in the sense, am I a better human being? Am I better to my fellow man, to my wife, to my children, all those sorts of things? Uh, or am I achieving uh, hard, specific, measurable goals and achievements? Uh, you know, it doesn't matter, because uh, it applies equally to both. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'll even go there myself. We learn by doing. Yeah, you know, that's very true. Do that Star, Star, uh, Star Trek II quote. Uh, and it is, it's very true. We learn by doing. But most effectively, we learn by doing and figuring out what we did wrong. Yeah. The so we can do it better. The piece of that process is an essential piece of the process. It is. You have to and have some, <coughs> some direction with your, with your failures. Exactly. Well, it's not so much with your failures as what you do with them. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, a lot of people go from failure to failure throughout their lives. Ralph Cramden. It's probably the best example of Granny's a fictional character. Yeah, what? Yeah. But he goes from failure to failure, but he never learns from his experience. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that sets him apart from uh, the successes of the world, is that he never learns from his experiences and gets better. Some people learn from their experiences, but then they don't apply it. You know, they recognize, yeah, I did that wrong. Mm -hmm. But they are either pathologically or... Uh, uh, through addiction or whatever, incapable of applying the lessons they've learned. 
Robert Frost has a brilliant quote that's almost identical to what you're just saying here. Life is about going from failure to failure and never losing your enthusiasm. Yes, uh, that's uh, similar to s- very, several, yeah. several uh, people have made a similar statement. Um, and it's kind of the same thing because uh, the, 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 the 10,000 failures that Edison did only happened, you know, after the first 100, he could have, you know, given up. After the first 20. Well, yeah. yeah. Or the yeah. first he's saying, he's saying he can't do that. But he never lost that enthusiasm, never lost his belief in his vision. And that's kind of what you're talking about here, I think. Well, it can be. Uh, I think we... Or should be. Maybe it's, maybe it's not... Can be, answer. should be. Uh, when we <coughs> take all this together, yes. Uh, to me, ideally, success is bound to... First of all, the, your values. You, mm-hmm. you, you don't violate your values. Then it's tied to the vision, where you want to go, right. uh, the, the ultimate destination, which you know, I think you should modify every five years or so to re-examine, you know, what am I shooting for? Right. Your, your uh, goals change. They should change. Well, yeah. I mean, the vision comes before the goals, actually. Correct. It is. Goals, so, are the, uh, are goals are the means. They're exactly. the vehicle to they're get the, you there. They're the concretization Actually, not the vehicle. Your mission is your vehicle. Right. Uh, how you will get there. Your goals are your signposts and mile mark. If you want to use a roadmap metaphor, yeah. uh, a road trip metaphor, they are the roadmap to get you there. And you I know, like metaphors. That's right. Oh, you know, hey, that's that's how you got me out of the jail in Tijuana. Come on. That's right. That's right. So you know this whole idea that you that some that some people do refuse to learn from their mistakes. Uh, you know. As we have said many times, those who do not learn from their mistakes are doomed to repeat, repeat them. Or do not learn from <coughs> history are doomed to repeat, repeat them. Well, you know, uh, or as Mark Twain said, history may not repeat, but it certainly does rhyme. And it's interesting you say that too, because sometimes you have... Fictional characters are great with this, both on both sides of that. Huckleberry Finn's a great example of somebody who does learn yes. and changes and makes a profound life change based on his experience and what he finds during the course of that novel. And yet you have other characters like uh, like Candide from Voltaire who absolutely refuses to learn from anything that goes on around him. He's always saying this is the best of all possible worlds. Uh, to use a more modern example... Um, Cersei from the Game of Thrones. Very good. I'm, I'm hoping we would. I, I, I want to hear more of these, and she's a great one. Yeah, she's a great one who does not. She she realizes where she's gone wrong. Yeah, but her dogged determination, stubbornness, stubbornness, her love of her children is what drives her, which makes her such a fascinating character. Which is what makes is, her so because fascinating. that is a good that is an inherent. Good that drives her, and yet she's one of the most evil characters ever. And she's paper. also an utter failure at protecting them. Yeah, she the utterly very, fails. The very thing she, the only thing she wants to do is the very thing that she makes happen by her actions. And there's a tragic figure for you. Absolutely, but it, you know it's a great example of I see what the wrong I've done, but I justify it because of what I'm trying to do. And that's a great example of not truly learning from your mistakes. Because if she had learned, so much would have gone better, not just for her, but all of the characters in the story. Granted, it wouldn't have been a very good story. Yeah. Uh, but because you need somebody like Cersei. Yeah, you need, you need a, 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 the great tragic villain that uh, is their own problem. Yes. Uh, Victor Von Doom's a great one. There's lots yes. of them out there. Well, and that's the great thing about uh, fictional characters is that you can make that uh, the, the, the pathos... Uh, there you go. A Martin word, yes. Martin love that. Love that. 
you could you could make it so much more profound, so much more, uh, so much deeper, right? Uh, than we might encounter in real life. Because I mean, let's face it, there are far more fictional examples like that than there are real life, right? It's, because it's so much easier to come up with them fictionally. Uh, well, and as the writer, you're trying to get people to invest right. in that character. Well, you have to. It's the only way anybody reads you. Yeah, and the they're one-dimensional. And unfortunately, if they're very realistic, it can get hard to, to well, get buy-in from a reader. Well, and you know, when you think about that, the, the real-life examples of people who don't learn from their mistakes, keep repeating, even if, through good intentions, are not people we like. Are no. not people whose no. story we want. You know, we want them no. to fail utterly. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at you, Vlad. Uh, you know, oh, I was I was I wanted a great example. I wasn't planning on that one, but damn, it works. <laughs> but yeah, it does. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, what an unexamined life. Vlad yes, Putin. Uh, uh, it's like, dude, we're examined for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, it's like, dude, it's the 21st century. None of this is necessary. Right. Right. You already. I mean, basically, you've already proven it. You can make a crap ton of money and be in charge of a huge country without all this. Exactly. What more do you need? See, that's the problem with, with the real life examples, is that, and this is sometimes true in the the fictional, but you know, there's usually there's a comeuppance. The problem with the real life examples is that we never get to see what happens, or yeah. it's never satisfying. Sometimes, but well, that's sometimes, yes, but rarely. You're correct. So, you know, I mean, yeah, it's never enough. Sometimes it's there's never a, enough. A nine millimeter heart attack involved, but not enough times. Right. Or how did you put it uh, during the uh, the break? Uh, a nine millimeter hemorrhage. Yes, a nine millimeter hemorrhage. That's yes. it. It's right. Well, you know, you know Berea is a great example, though. You know, if you yes. go back yes. into the history of that, he's one of those that did get the yes, Laurenti Berea got pretty much what he deserved. He got the ass whooping. He, he needed. yeah, the cosmic justice thing kind of. Came full circle for, for uh, Barry. Great movie, The Death of Stalin. Oh my God, that's a great movie. I don't know if we've talked much about it, but no. it's absolutely fantastic. It is, it's both hilarious and well done and dramatic. And, 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 and it's it's accurate, more or yeah. less. It's accurate. I mean, it's, it's got a terrifying tongue-in-cheek about of ridiculousness to it, but it, it works. Yeah. It works. So, you know, to me, that, that quote... I think it does a good, really good. And I came across it, especially after you did yours, Francis. Uh-huh. I said, like, oh, that's perfect because it really even uses some of the same language uh, and yeah. themes, which, you know, made, makes my job a lot easier. Because right. uh, don't always, like the last time, like the last Code of Honor, I, I struggled with that. It was the first one I really struggled with. Really? But, yeah, you, I thought you, I did, did. you didn't let on. Uh, I, I think I even said it during the show. I, oh, did I, you? I don't think I uh, did it as well as I I guess do. we just expect you to be always perfect. Well, yeah. you guys thought I did a better job than I did. And the, and the key being with all of this is we're not talking about achievement per se. No. You're it, talking it about... It fits it if you need it to. Yes. It's fulfillment. Not just, but it's not fulfillment. Oh, yes. That's an excellent... <coughs> yes. I like you know, that. That actually does. Having success in a commercial sense uh, of a Thomas Watson... I mean, he's, this is obviously business advice. Right. This is like 125, 130, 40 years ago, too. Yeah. But in the end, again, that applies in the same way that PJ or the same way McConaughey applies. It's not just achievement, it's fulfillment. Becoming more of a human, whatever that means to you. Again, as you guys write and explore, you know, yeah. being a novelist, you, you, there's, do it. Be yeah. good at it. Right. 
and, you know, and, and it, love it. it. It goes back to that brilliant quotation from Tolkien that we all know so well. Gandalf puts it, it, it was the voice for it. All you have to decide is what to do with the time that's given to you. That's kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah. But it's ta- our quotations we're working with take that further, saying, well, it's not just, not just do anything, but do something that's worth doing. Yeah. Well, because you, know, you can. Choose wisely. wisely. Yeah. You know, I think anybody who's listened to the Code of Honor and the and our heroes, obviously they know that we're we're talking about, uh, or at least they should by now, uh, that this is the sort of thing we're always talking about. It's it's that personal fulfillment, but also in the sense that that not and again not just that you're living your best life or that you're your best version of yourself, but again it should have that impact beyond yourself. Yes, your your version of your your best version of yourself. Should be a version that's worth the effort. Yeah, it was yes. always. And again, that <coughs> as you say, even if you don't mean for it to impact others, it does. Absolutely, yes. PJ it always will. Was making a living at something he was good at, but his influence, his impact, the way he has worked his way into at least my and and all of ours, our 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 lives, our threads. Our, our our viewpoints mm-hmm. is an impact beyond what I think he expected out of his life, and it, it a life well lived. I wonder if he ever knew that. If he knew, that I'm sure he did. I hope so. I mean, he's he's been, and, I think at some he's point been well rewarded he, for what he he's done. Interacted enough with people who uh, you know were able to approach. Well, in this day say, of, of talk we, radio, social media, yeah. and you know the kind of feedback you yeah. can get. Anybody who, who has that kind of an impact surely knows, if only by accident, because it's almost impossible not to find that stuff out. Yeah, Robin Williams was a great one for that. He talked a lot about that. About He, he did not understand the influence that he had. He couldn't see himself as being important enough. Some of that's his depression, mind you, yeah. uh, to have well, influence of other some people. Some of that's, his, his hum- that, that's a little bit of humility as well. And, that was, and he carried that with him. That's yes. one of the reasons he's so likable. Yeah, I, but yes, I think the depression is, is probably... Uh, the bigger part of that, but you know, being able to recognize, yeah, that you've touched people, it should be a very humbling thing. It, it should be, you know, it should be. Uh, yeah. For some people, they take that as, as, you know, well, of course, I'm so good. It's like, well, then you've just lost all well, the impact you had. Well, that's if you, right. If you then get you, to, yeah. They already had the problem on the front end. Yeah, I mean, so, that so fake term of influencer. Yeah, you um, know, you can't you can't set out to become an influencer, but you know, apparently you can nowadays. Yeah. Well, it's quantifiable um, at this do point. Do something worthwhile and let the influence flow from that yeah. organically. Right. Well, that's right, yeah. And then yeah being the famous daughter of a famous trial lawyer, being the daughter of a famous trial lawyer should not be your biggest key to fame that you then turn into other, even less meaningful keys to fame. Yeah, let, and yeah it's a billion-dollar empire. Yeah. Well, now, to be fair, I think I said this is one of our last uh, shows... Is that the the whichever one of these Chloe, whichever of the Kardashian sisters that built the cosmetics company, uh-huh. she I can admire because you don't build a billion dollar cosmetic company on crap. That's right. She had the vision. Now to she had the obviously rights. a big head start because of her name and the money in the family, but she built a good company because women don't buy bad cosmetics. No, they will dump that crap no matter whose name is. Yeah, on I it. mean they'll try it once, but but yeah, it's crap. Yeah, I mean, it's crap. crap. They do. They do. They move on quickly. Exactly. Yeah, so that's what I can say of all of them. 
I'll, I'll give her her props on that because she now granted you know, obviously she's not in the the lab cooking up the chemicals herself, but she's still managing that empire to where it is. So okay. I'll give her I'll give her props for that. Okay. Even though I recognize she had a huge head start compared to somebody like us. Yeah. Anyways, you know, again, be the best version of yourself, which in our minds should be the the you that has the biggest impact on others. Now, that's, again, my perspective. That's very well said, Robert. Very, very well said. Well, thank you. Uh, but it, it's not necessarily how others want to put it. It, but it doesn't have to be Mother Teresa. But right. A, but a positive influence on others. And maybe it's just my own kids. Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe it's a very small sphere of influence. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but that sphere has its own sphere. That's correct. Yeah. Where Spheres are always larger than we perceive them to be. Yes. McConaughey, O'Rourke, their spheres are probably larger than they understand. Right. And it's very humbling, and it's it is important that they've touched us, mm-hmm. and we find value in that, and it's in whatever small ways we want to be like them. Sure. That, I feel like that's a good way to wrap up here at Studio F, uh, Francis. That's so, right. We're right at an hour, boys. We do I tell you? Let's do it. Our discipline is so good. What's uh, next, brother? Next time we're going back <coughs> to our uh, our heroes. This is a Martin uh, option here that we got coming up here. We haven't done a lot of poets, you know. We might, we, we could all be poets and not know it. Did I say <laughs> that? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure I'm not. Pretty sure I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but no, we're gonna we're gonna talk about T.S. Eliot, arguably one of the greatest poetic geniuses. Yes, I that has ever walked the earth. And I'm not I'm, much into poetry, but I will grant you well, that. Well. Martin requested this one. He is a particular uh, fan of Eliot and his work. We're going to go deep with that next time and discover just why he is so good, so lasting, and worthy. You know what I like about this one? We get to put him on the hot seat and ask him the question that he always asks us. Why, why does that mean something to you? Yeah, this uh, is true. We, be do, awesome. we do get to do that, so join us next time. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.